Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ram Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. So I work for 24-7 Prayer, I'm the youth director, so my role within 24-7 is to set young people on fire for prayer and revival. And so when I decided, I'm a Manchester boy, born and raised, so I decided to do my first event in Manchester. And uh, the first people I knew to call was Ramp. (laughs) As soon as like, we're going to do a revival prayer meeting for young people, who do I need to call? Ramp. (laughs) It's like easy, just easy. And uh, so... Yeah, but I've grown up in Manchester all my life. I was saved in um, 2007. I was just telling Joe the story. I was radically saved. I was locked up in a police station. I had an encounter with God. Uh, Some wild things happened. Uh, It's on YouTube if you want to find out the full story. But one thing that struck me uh, last year, I was just looking it up. Because basically, I had this encounter with Jesus in this police station in May 2007. I had an encounter with Jesus... And I didn't know which way to go. (laughs) I'd had this encounter, but how many of you know that Jesus is not just Savior, he's Lord. And after you have an encounter with Jesus, you have a decision to make. Am I going to live in this encounter or am I just going to live my own way? So there was this war over my soul for about three months where I was one foot in, one foot out. I was doing the hokey-cokey, turning around, all that kind of stuff. If you know the song, sing along. We're not going to sing it now. There was this war over my soul for about three months. But I want you to know something. May 2007, I had an encounter with Jesus. Do you know what happened in June 2007? A man named James Aladdin. Does anybody know James Aladdin in here? was at a youth meeting in a small town called Hamilton, Alabama. And Miss Karen calls him out and says, pray for Manchester. And a bomb goes off in the room, a spiritual explosion. The whole room goes crazy. And a thousand young people are praying for people to have a radical encounter with Jesus. And here I am, 3,000 miles or however far away it is, with this war over my soul. So uh, I think you were there in the room, so thank you for praying for me. But prayer is powerful. September 2007, I was listening to a man named Andy Hawthorne preach the gospel. And I've never heard somebody speak with so much passion about Jesus in my life. And I was in. I was the only person in the room. And that's why we don't underestimate the remnant. Because for the last 15 years, I've traveled the world preaching the gospel. I've preached the gospel face-to-face to to over 100,000 people. But I was the only one to respond in the room. Andy Hawthorne could have walked away. I'm a failure. But it's about the seed that you plant in people's lives. You have no idea, Ramp Church, what we're doing tonight, cultivating this ground for students to come in. Who knows what some of these students might be? Who knows what they're carrying? As they go wild over the summer, but they land here in Manchester in September. Who knows who's going to walk in a room? That's why I don't care about numbers. Are you kidding me? Jesus had 12 disciples. 
And when he went to the cross, pretty much all of them were gone. Many, many people, be careful when you focus on numbers, because many people at that moment would have looked at Jesus' ministry and said, failure. But the Father in heaven was looking at him, saying, success. Whilst he was saving the world. The world would look at him and say, failure, don't ever focus on numbers. Don't do it. Don't focus on numbers. Don't focus on noise. Don't focus on nickels. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, if you have a Bible, is what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, Pastor Joe's already stolen two of my sermons from tonight, so God is speaking. Hallelujah. I had the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood in my notes, so praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> at Matthew chapter 8, <laughs> let's have a preach off. But this is your church, so it's probably not going to work. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 34, a little story that I love, just as you're finding it. Uh, I recently got back from Norway. Uh, if you've ever been, uh, I, if you've never been, sorry, I, I, I implore you to go. It's beautiful country, incredible scenery, uh, population 5 million people, but land surface area is bigger than the UK. And there was this youth meeting there called The Send. Do some of you guys know about The Send? Yeah, off the back of the call, missionary sending movement in Norway. And they gathered 10,000 young people. And it's like, I know what I'm saying about numbers, but what you have to understand is, if you ratio that to the UK, we have 77 million people in the UK. So that's the equivalent of somebody coming here and gathering two Wembley stadiums. That's what they just did in Norway, one of the most secular countries in, the, in Europe. Just incredible, you know, but just not just numbers, people on their knees weeping, people signing up to take the gospel to their schools, people signing up to prayer. Uh, they had over a thousand people sign up to foster children. I mean, a real fruit, just incredible time there. But um, I was chatting to this one um, pastor backstage and uh, he just made a funny offhand comment to me and I just thought it was just so highlighting of, of, of what happens sometimes and it's nothing bad against him I think sometimes you just get a bit jaded or whatever um, but I was sharing a little bit of um, my story about how I became a Christian uh, how I was saved and he said and I was saying about how it's 15 years ago and he was like and he said this he said oh back when you had passion and I was, I was like oh that happens to some people, doesn't it? Before I even had a chance to uh, really formulate a proper response, the word no just really violently came out of my mouth. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> and he was like really shot back and I said, the me right now eats the old Josh for breakfast any day. Because we're meant to go from glory to glory to glory. We're not meant to just live in one place, one encounter. We're meant to go deep in his presence. I'm not here just for a one-time thing. Come on now. I want to encounter him every day. Jesus said, greater works you shall do than even he did. What? I ain't seen nobody raised from the dead yet, but I will. I said I will. In the UK, not just in countries where they're hungry for it. And if no one else is hungry for it, I'm hungry for it. God responds to hunger. Hunger. 
when you had passion. Like you should have seen me back then. Praying for five minutes, I'm like sweating, I'm struggling. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, the thing that's carried me this long, I'm say long like I'm some old guy. There's probably people who've been following Jesus way longer than me. The thing that's carried me is, my heart is what we were talking, Pastor Joe was talking about before, I just want to touch the hem of his garment. I'm not satisfied being in this crowd that's just happy to watch Jesus pass them by. And this one lady's like, please, I just, if I can just get something on him. There's something real there. There's some, I've not got language for it. I'm not, I'm not exactly perfect. I've got some problems. I've got some issues back at home. My kids are wild. I live in this city where nobody loves God. But if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I might not be able to touch him because maybe he doesn't want really much to do with me. There's a crowd of people happy to be close enough to Jesus without touching with faith because that's what she did. The other people touched him, no faith. She touched him with faith. Okay, not loads of faith, she's just touching the hem. Because Jesus said faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. Many of us think faith as big as a mountain is what's required just to move a small mustard seed. But faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. If I can just touch the hem. And there's three levels there. You've got touching the hem, level one, of the garment, level two, of Jesus, level three. Three levels. Can you see it? The hem, level one, the garment, level two, Jesus, level three. Where else was there three stages? Getting close to God, the temple. You had the outer court, level one, the inner court, level two, and the holy of holies, level three, where God dwelt. But one lady said, if I can just get to level one, which, by the way, biblically was the court of the women. If I can just get to the place where I'm allowed. I don't need the microphone. I don't need a band. I don't need the f- pumping music. I don't need an eloquent preacher. I'm just, a, I'm just a mama who's on fire for God. If I can just touch him, his hem, I know I can get something from him. He's looking for a hungry people. So if today you feel a bit like that woman a little bit on the outside, like you've only got enough just to touch the hem, like you can barely set foot in the temple, you're on the outside, or maybe you're in this building, but you're not really in this building, you're not really present, you're in good company because Jesus loves outsiders. (laughs) That's why he loves me. Um, (laughs) Because the Bible says that if you do some study Anytime Jesus ministered in the temple, do you know where he was? He was in the outer court with the people. Man of the people. (laughs) He knows where it's at. And she was going for something. She had this hunger. And I just feel, Ramp Church, that it's time to start believing big things from a big God. 
It's time to start having a hem-touching level of hunger, a desperation. You know, she probably had to fling herself onto the ground, into the dirt. You know, she's probably weeping because she's like, I'm going to, everybody knows my issue. Everybody knows who I am. They're going to go crazy if I touch him. He's holy. I've got issues. But she pushed past all of that stuff, just pushing past the crowd. Jumped. I can just imagine it. Can't you just imagine? Just touching the hem. Do you know the hem is like right on the floor? So she really had to get down low. That's part of touching God. You got to go low. If my people who are called by my name will. Some people reading their Bible, well done humble themselves. It's time to start believing big things from a big God. I work for 24-7 prayers. I said, heading up youth stuff. And we have this vision to see um, regular youth prayer meetings in 25 cities in the UK by 2025. When I first started, nobody told me one would be possible. We got four by the end of this year in Manchester, Birmingham, London, and Stoke. God is moving. Things are happening. One youth pastor came up to me the other week and told me that he just baptized eight of his young people who all got saved at the first Manchester event. And we didn't even mention baptism. Nobody even mentioned baptism at the meeting. Guys, that's how you know. And this is not on me. This is prayer and fasting. God did it. You know when God is moving, when he starts doing things that you didn't even ask for. I just, I'm, I'm all here for it. I don't need to preach. Just let God do his thing. Just get out of the way. <laughs> but um, man, I've got so many things for you guys. But one thing I did, I had a prophecy a while ago for Pastor Joe and Pastor Stacy. But I also feel like it's for a few other people in this room. I felt like God was saying, I'm sending unusual people from unusual places to unusual places. It's it's absurd to me that God is sending missionaries from America and Africa to the UK, although I love you all. I want more of you to come. I'm praying. I always tell Joe and Stacey all the time, like, please get them to send more people from the ramp here. But it's, in a way, in a way, it's absurd that God is having to send missionaries from America and Africa to the UK when we brought the gospel to them in recent years. It's an indictment on the state of the church in the UK. And I can say it because I'm from the UK. <laughs> and I believe that God is doing it because British people did not steward well what God wanted to do. Because there's a difference between God just doing something and then you continuing in it. When God delivers you, you have a responsibility to be devoted to him. When God frees you, you have a responsibility to be fervent for him. When God pours out his grace on you, there's a requirement on your life to go for him. And that's what we see in Matthew chapter 8. You've probably been wondering what's going on when we get into Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read this out. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. When Jesus had... Oh, almost oh, I was falling out. Hang on. I have all this stuff on Revelation chapter 4 and 5. <laughs> Thank you, Liberty. Now, when Jesus got into a boat, his... Oh, no, I'm in the wrong one. When Jesus had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him 
two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce. But I'm in New King James Version, just in case you're wondering what translation I'm reading. So that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, a good way off. Everyone say a good way off. From them, there was a herd of many pigs feeding. So the demons begged, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the pigs. Jesus said, Go. So when they come out, they suddenly went into the whole herd of pigs. And I'm sorry for all the vegans and vegetarians in the room. But the pigs suddenly, the whole herd, ran violently down the steep place. Everybody say steep place. Into the sea and perished in the water. Everyone say water. I promise you there's some links here. Water. 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 <laughs> You've got you to lengthen it out. <laughs> then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told them everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. Just about to do a praise break, but then... It says that they saw him and begged him to depart from their region. This is a wild story. This is a story that's quite, it baffled me for a long, long time. What on earth is going on? One of the first things that baffled me was why the demons asked to go to the pigs. Why did Jesus say yes? And then why did they just end up running off a cliff and <laughs> they just drowned in the water? Well, there's an interesting story in Luke chapter 4 where the devil comes to tempt Jesus. He's been getting tempted back and forth and he says, man shall not live by bread alone. And uh, he gets to the end of this account. Now in Matthew's account of this story, it says, after Jesus had uh, completed the temptations and not given in to Jesus, hallelujah, proclaims the word of God, doesn't engage with it, but just says the word of God as it is. The Bible says that the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it says the devil left him looking for an opportune time. That's how the devil operates. And I've came to talk to you tonight about spiritual discernment. We have to be discerning of the age and time that we're in and what is going on, what we're coming up against. Because the devil is looking for opportune time. So that's why when the demons encounter Jesus, they know they have to leave. They know they have to leave the man because Jesus is there. But they wanted to stay around the man, looking for an opportune time to go back in. And that's why when you're delivered, it's so important to be devoted to God in response. Because the devil is prowling around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices, the Bible says. That, that is a summation of the church in the West. Ignorant of the enemy's devices. Most of us are listening to the enemy's voice through music, through media, 24-7. I mean, it's like, it's not, we're not even ignorant. We're like, we want it. Don't be ignorant of the enemy's advice. They wanted to stay around the man. 
Okay, but what else is happening in this story? Because I just feel like God showed me this last year and it blew me away. But then recently, I just felt like he was showing me more and more about what was going on in this. Because I've called this sermon tonight, Fight for Fire. Fight for Fire. Because the word I got for you guys, I was telling Pastor Joe before, I was praying for a bit, nothing was really coming. So I decided just to lay on my face until God gave me a word. (laughs) It took about half an hour, so thanks for that, guys. But at the end of that half an hour, all I got was the word, fight. And I felt like the word for Ramp Church in this season is fight. Fight. So when we're fighting, we need deliverance and devotion. We need deliverance and devotion. So the Bible says, Matthew chapter 8, as we were just looking at, verse 30 says, the pigs were a good way off from the men. So it seems as if the devil many, many times wants to disguise himself in the distance. Many times we think if the enemy is going to come around, he's going to be really, really obvious. Not all the time. Many times Satan moves in subtlety. He does. He does. The music you listen to, the movies you watch, the people you entertain sometimes. We have to be so spiritually discerning about what is going on. Because so many times, it's a good way off. Oh, but it's all the way over there. I go to church every week. I go to prayer meeting. It's It's all the way over there. But he disguises himself in the distance. Verse 32, I feel like this is such a picture for Ramp Church. It says that the pigs ran away. And they went down a steep place. That's what the ramp is. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord. And as we're ascending the hill of the Lord, guess what's going down behind us on the steep place? Some of them pigs and some of those demons that have been harassing us. You feel what I'm saying? So we get delivered and God takes that stuff away from us. But then we run after God up the mountain of God. And as we're running after him, there's some stuff going behind us down a steep place into the water. God's got a speciality for drowning the voice of the enemy out in the water. Hello, Israel and Egypt. What happened to the Egyptians when they were chasing after God's people? God drowned them in the water. In Ezekiel, the water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Right, we talk about ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. Bryn Wardell just made a song about that beautiful song. It's the Holy Spirit. So when God does something in you, you have to cultivate it in the Holy Spirit to drown out the voice of the enemy. That's the picture of what's going on with the pigs. Jesus is the one who sets you free. Well, you must live devoted to Jesus. That's how we stay free. The love of God is 100% unconditional. But a move of God is absolutely conditional on our obedience. It is. 2 Chronicles 7.14, we looked at it before. The first word is if. If. If my people who were called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, then. So there's an if and a then. If you do this, I will do this. Church in the West says, we will just wait until God shows up. 
God's like, hey, I wrote you this book. It says, if you do this, then I'll do this. I promise you at the start of last year, I felt like I lost everything. I felt like I lost my ministry. I felt like I lost my direction for what I was doing in terms of my work. I was part of this band and we were going around the world preaching the gospel, performing, but everything was shut down. And we knew that in order to get back to things, we had to make a £20,000 investment into what we were doing because the bank account said zero. If we were to come off this COVID thing and get back on the road, it's going to cost us around £20,000. And I knew that God was just calling me to a different thing. Literally, the only thing I had was prayer. But when the only thing you have is prayer... Watch out for what God will do. If you're just a praying mother at home and you're thinking, my kids are far off and I don't know what to do, but all I have right now is this prayer and some of this oil and I feel like I can fast a few days. I feel like I can storm the heavens till my kids go home. I'm telling you, if all you've got left is a prayer, that's all you need to see the breakthrough. And I just prayed. I didn't have contacts to go and speak at places. Nobody had ever asked me to speak anywhere before. Some of you are probably thinking, I can see why. (laughs) Nobody asked me to speak anywhere before. I just started praying. And somebody called me from 24-7. I didn't even know who he was. What do you want to see? What can you see? Vision Vision is what you can see when your eyes are closed. I could see little fires all across the UK. Young people sparking off revival, praying, going deeper in the Holy Spirit. I could see that with my eyes closed. I could see that in prayer. I shared that vision with this guy from 24-7 and he looked like he'd just seen a ghost. He said, this whole time you've been speaking, it's like you've been sat in board meetings with us for the last two years. Everything that you've just said is what we've been saying. I can't do that. I know somebody who can. I know... I'm telling you, when we started launching what we were doing as 24-7 prayer with the youth, I sat down with this one youth pastor, and from the moment my bottom touched the seat, this man looked at me and he said, before you say a word, I just want you to know it's yes. What? I was like, well, actually, I've got a few things to add to my list now. Just give me one second. (laughs) You'll be amazed at what God can do if you just pray. This year, and this is absolutely zero brag on me whatsoever because it's, I, I can't make this happen. This year, I've been invited to speak at almost every single youth conference that exists in this country, and I have no idea how God did that. Unless when he said, if you pray, I will move. Ramp Church, if you keep praying, he's going to move. Oh, he's been moving. But I'm not satisfied with what's gone before. I can't, can't dwell on that forever. Let's praise God. Hallelujah. What he did for the last few years. Church has been growing. Things have been going amazing. But I'm looking for the next thing of what God wants to do. So we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep praying. I am sweating up here. This is amazing. <laughs> wow. You know, you know, the, the verse 33 and 34 in, in Matthew chapter 8, it talks about the people who kept the pigs. I, I, it struck me recently that the, that the demons looked around 
to find somewhere to go. And they landed on the pigs. There was something about the pigs that made them say, that thing can house us. Let's go in there. I think that is a picture of the world and the ways of this world and parts of this world that are upholding constructs that can house demons. They, they looked around and they, what can house us? What can house as well? That's why I'm not going knocking on the door of the house of the demons saying, can, you, can I listen to some of your music, please? Because what happened? When the people came, the whole city came to hear about Jesus. That sounds like revival. But we just got rid of the demonic constructs that house the things that they love that make them money and make them success. I'm not, can I watch your movies, please? Can I listen to your cynical teaching, please, to make me cynical about God? There's two spirits that are in operation in this nation in a major way. There's the spirit of cynicism and the spirit of fear. The spirit of cynicism says, you never did anything for God. The spirit of fear says, you're never going to do anything for God. The spirit of cynicism makes you bitter about your past, makes you think you can't do anything for God anymore, makes you let go of his purposes, and the spirit of fear holds you back. There's nothing wrong with face masks, okay? But many people are wearing a face mask in the spirit. That's called the spirit of fear. And people always say, oh, don't, don't just label everything as a spirit. Well, the Bible literally calls fear a spirit. It literally calls it a spirit. For I have not given you a of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So Jesus sets you free. But if you want to get rid of the spirit of fear, you've got to be in the spirit of God. You've got to fight for fire to get through the fear. You've got to fight for fire. Ramp Church, you've got to fight for fire. The other place God took me when he gave me the word fight was Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Don't worry, I'm not going to pick one of the churches that got rebuked. God loves this church, I can tell you that much. Oh, he really does. I hope you know that. I hope you're not in a normal church. I hope you know that. Hello? Uh, uh, yeah, I hope, you're, I hope you know that your pastors are literally world-class, exceptional people. I hope that you know that. No, no, I hope you, you know that. I hope that you know that. Uh, the first time I ever saw Pastor Stacy, she got the microphone in, in, in Ramp in, in Hamilton, Alabama. I went over there in 2009, wrecked my life, all that stuff. You know that story. I was at the altar. Oh, God. I saw Pastor Stacy, and all she did was read a passage of scripture and the whole room was on their face. She didn't preach a message. She just read out a Bible verse. I'm like, hang on a minute. When I read out Bible verses, people are falling to sleep. These are some world-class anointed leaders. Jesus took me to, re- I know they hate it, but that's all good. I'm going to brag on them. Revelation chapter two talks about the church in Smyrna, the persecuted church. We've got to fight. We, now make no mistake about it, we experience persecution in the West. If you spend a few 
weeks regularly praying consistently every single day, you'll feel the persecution. Oh, boy. Everything in his dog tries to stop prayer in, in the UK and Europe. I'm telling you that now. I'm telling you that now. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, talks about the persecuted church in Smyrna. Do you know what Smyrna means? Myrrh. Expensive fragrance. Why was the church in Smyrna able to fight against persecution and stay faithful? Because they knew how to attract the presence, the expensive fragrance of God. We're here, God. We want you, God. We want the expensive fragrance. And we're willing to be persecuted for it. We're willing, to be laid, we're willing to lay down our lives for it. The expensive fragrance. There's not many churches that are willing to go after the expensive fragrance. Many people want to go after expensive sound systems, expensive lights, communication, giftings, gimmicks. But if you just go after God, listen, I don't want gimmicks. I want God. Because when I was locked up in that police station and I was all alone and depressed and suicidal, there was only one person that was there for me. And that was Jesus. That's why he deserves everything inside of me to go after the expensive fragrance. I'm willing to go through it all. You can fight me if you want to, but I'm fighting for fire. I'm fighting for fragrance. I want God. I don't want gimmicks. I don't want the glory. I want God. I don't want what the world has to offer. I want Jesus. And you know something? This world wants him too. They just don't quite know it yet. And it's our job to help them see it. If somebody could come up and play something, I'm about to land. I had to delete pretty much everything on this thing. That'd be amazing. Where is, is Alex? Here he is. He's so quick. So I want, but guys, I don't just want God. I want all of God. Joe, Pastor Joe read out before, man shall not live by bread alone, but by Every word. Do you know what it means to honor the word of God? It means you're saying, I live by not just your word, God, not the bits that I like, but by every word. So not just some words, all the words. I want John 3.16 and Revelation 3.16. Pretty much everybody in this room knows what John 3.16 is. Most of us won't know what Revelation 3.16 is. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him. You know that one. Revelation 3.16, I would rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. Because love tells you the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. You guys got James Ladder in here, you know that. (laughs) We've got to fight for deliverance and devotion. We've got to fight to be a praying people. And I wanted to encourage some of you in this room tonight, this beautiful thought that dropped into my mind a few weeks ago about prayer. I've always seen prayer about 
me talking to God or, or speaking in tongues or a prayer meeting or a, or a prayer walk or, or all these different types of prayer, intercessory prayer, fervent prayer, long-suffering prayer, praying for my kids. But every single one of them was all human-based man to God. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to think about what my posture is when you pray. And I felt like God gave me a definition for prayer which just made me weep on the spot. He said this, prayer is when God listens. Do you know what God's posture is when you pray? Hey, can you imagine Jesus? Hey, Holy Spirit. Josh Guest woke up really early this morning because he wants to speak to us. Isn't that awesome? Oh, he's just asked for revival in young people in the nation. I think, I think we can do that for Josh Guest. I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, look at that. Look at that couple on that stage in Hamilton, Alabama. One's playing the guitar, one reads the Bible. I'm listening. What are they saying? Send me and I'll go. What? Father, what does that sounds like Isaiah? Isaiah, you guys say. God listens. He's listening. He's listening. If he's listening, guys, I've got some stuff to say to him. Oh, I. I'm not perfect. I've got some situations in my life I need to talk to God. If he's listening to me, i to talk to him all day long. Wake up early. What? I don't care about waking up early. Sleep's overrated. I've got three kids. That's why I say that. Prayer is when God listens. And we can only really pray to a God who is personal enough to hear us and powerful enough to answer. Oh, by the way, there's only one God in the world who can do that. You have some gods in religions in this world who are quite personal. Some religions don't even have a God. Some are quite personal. Oh, yeah, I can talk to that God. Yeah, get comfortable. Oh, yeah, God's my buddy. God's my mate. And they're personal enough to answer your prayers, but they ain't powerful. They've got no power. And there's some gods that get projected in this world that seem to be very powerful. We need to ask for mercy. We've, there's no hope. We maybe, maybe if I was once, you know, I respect and love Muslims. I once spoke to a Muslim one time and I said, are you looking forward to heaven? And she said, I don't know if I'll be there. I said, what? I said, but don't you just have to do the performance-based thing? And she said, no, it's not just that. We have to do all the right things. And then if Allah is merciful on the day, we'll be let in. So he seems really powerful, but he's not personal at all. But there's only one God who's personal enough to hear us, but powerful enough to answer. And his name is, his name is, his name is. Stand up on your feet all across this room. We're going to worship Jesus. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. If you speak in tongues, speak in tongues now. Jesus. You're listening, we're here. We're here, Jesus. Hear our prayer, God. Send revival to Manchester, God.
Send revival to this land, God. Bring the young people in, God. Bring the students in, God. Hear our prayer, Jesus. We want Jesus. Come on, does anybody want Jesus? Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Jesus. Jesus, we want you. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. worthy.